It is Tuesday, August 31st. Welcome to Menace to Sports. It is finally game week. Week one of college football, and we are here for it. The Buckeyes open up Thursday night against Minnesota. We're gonna have we have a ton to talk about in this episode. We're gonna talk about some of the Thursday, uh the Thursday night matchup. CJ Stroud and the boys have to go on the road into Minnesota against PJ Fleck, Tanner Morgan, and the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Will it be a test or a game for the Buckeyes, for Ryan Day, for their newly revamped defense? Defense, that's a new word. Defense. And C.J. Stroud, will he be tested? Of course he'll be tested, but will he pass the test? We're going to break all that down at the end of the show. Also have a ton to talk about. Scott Frost is, I mean, all but fired at this point. We're going to talk about some of the stuff I'm hearing about the state of the Nebraska football program, and I feel awful for them because I really thought that, that Scott Frost would get it done this year, but that was putrid. So we'll talk about that. Also, the Bishop Sycamore uh fiasco that was on ESPN against IMG. I want to give you my thoughts be, uh, around the men that are, that run Bishop Sycamore. I know them very well. Met them when they were trying to run the first school. Have one of my former players that got asked to coach receivers there. So I know a lot about them. And I want to kind of give you a little reality check on how common that is in the landscape of football. Um, high school football at that. It's called a prep school. Look it up. And there's some in Miami and some places where you'll be like, this is the shadiest shit I've ever seen. But they go off without a hitch. But they do it in Columbus, put them on ESPN, and only because they got their ass beat, right? If they didn't get their ass beat by IMG, they would have never been exposed to all this, right? They would have just continued playing, and he would have continued trying to build his prep school. But anyways, give you all my thoughts on the Bishop Sycamore, BS High School, as they call it now. Um, real quick, if you haven't yet, we have a, our, our event tailgates are, are kicking off Penn State and Oregon next Saturday with the charging brand and Braxton Miller. We're going to be down on the, the point on lane. We have some big-time food sponsors that are going to bring food. We have Buckeye Vodka, um, Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey. We're going to have low, domestic beers, some great options, some, a bourbon bar. Uh, might even try to – we're working on a cigar bar. But it's going to be awesome. For 50 bucks, you get all you can eat, two drink tickets, and then uh, additional drink tickets are only 5 bucks. trying to raise some money for Braxton's, uh, Braxton's Foundation, also my grandfather's foundation. Going to donate some money to charity. Just going to have a, a, a fun time for the first live football game in Columbus, Ohio, with a crowd in over a year, right? Almost, what, almost two years ago was the last time we had it. So really excited about it. Check it out. It's all over my social media, Braxton's social media. It's on Eventbrite. If you want to type in charging on lane, the I in charging is the number one, though. Charging on lane on Eventbrite. Grab your tickets and come hang out with us. Some Buckeyes before the Oregon beatdown. Also, we got two days left. If you're interested interested in the squares for charity, um, hundred bucks buys you a square. That square plays all twelve regular season games. Um, I think we're going to rotate the numbers after every game, switch them up randomly, and uh, chance to win some money. Get fifty bucks if your scores hit after a first quarter or third quarter. A hundred bucks, so money back if you hit a halftime score, and you double your money, two hundred bucks if you hit a final score this year, and you could win multiple times. So. Um, really, really fun uh, kind of gambling thing that we're going to do all season and a chance to raise some money for the charities that we support. So if you're interested, Venmo, Cameron Media, that's my company, Cameron Media, or just email me, Zach, Z-A-C-H, at menacetosports.com. All right, that's all the charity stuff out of the way. Uh, we're, we're not starting ads until next week, so no ads on this show. But uh, enough about that. Let's get to the show. Watch this downfield. It's a long Why am I talking to you? You're not even in football. Yeah. Did you even play to the high school level? You took journalism. It's a bunch of nerds 
interrupting people who know what they're doing. <laughs> goes to the corner, dies to the corner. He didn't get there. No, they say he did. And Indiana wins. The commissioner could literally punt a baby with his wingtips on. I'm still going to watch on Sunday. Looking for the deep ball. Touchdown, Ohio State. Garrett Olsen. I don't condone the man's actions, <laughs> but it's football. I have to watch it. This is all I have. On first down, it's Brees Hall. He doesn't go down. He might go all the way. He stays on his feet again and scores. I wasn't going to hit a woman, but then that guy in the Ravens did it, so I guess it's okay. All right, episode 157, and we have college football season. It's upon us, man. Uh, just a quick update. We will be live streaming the Buckeyes game on YouTube. If you haven't experienced it, it's pretty cool. Um, it's kind of a watch party. You don't get to watch the game. It's something to have on your iPad as you watch the game. Just to get my thoughts, if you're interested, kind of an interactive community. Uh, at halftime of the show, I will be doing a call-in show. So if things don't go well or something's pissing you off, you can call in and gripe about it. <clears throat> so really looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, that will kick off. Uh, probably about 7.45, I think it's 8 o'clock kick. I, I probably should look that up first. But about 15 minutes before kickoff, we'll launch it. Uh, the live stream will be everywhere. Patreon will obviously have the live stream link ahead of time, and then we'll put it out on all our social media. So sign up for that and come check us out. It's going to be fun. Um, really excited about it. But anyways, a uh, bunch of stuff going on. First of all, Cam Newton got cut by the Patriots. Mac Jones is QB1. And the best part about it is Tua Tungavailoa versus Mac Jones week one of the NFL season. And uh, it always feels good. I mean, I, I, I was pumping Mac Jones since before last season. I mean, the way he ended the season when Tua got hurt, I was singing his praises that he was going to be a great quarterback. If you don't remember, go back and listen to the episodes. And I'm not trying to toot my horn, but when Bill Belichick is on the same side as you on, on a player, usually that means you're on the right side. So I, I don't want to say I called that one, but Mac Jones is obviously, they see him being a great player in New England to cut Cam Newton. I mean, cut him. Like, not like name Mac Jones a starter and have Cam Newton kind of be there just in case he struggles. No, no, no. They cut Cam Newton and made Mac Jones QB1. I also think that the social media kind of witch hunt on Cam Newton, kind of making fun of the guy is ridiculous. I mean, he's had an unbelievable career. He was an unbelievable player, not only in college at Auburn, where he was probably one of the most dominant players that has ever played college football. I mean, he was the reason they won a national championship. And I mean, it wasn't even close. They were, he was just that dominant. And then his career with the, the Panthers early in his career. I mean, he took that team to a Super Bowl. I mean, it was just, and he lost to what Peyton Manning, I think. Right. I mean, he had an unbelievable career if it is in fact, even over, but who knows with what's going on in Houston and Deshaun Watson and the sex cases, sexual, uh, assault or harassment, whatever it is, cases. I mean, who knows? He, he might find a landing spot here in the NFL this season. And if not, you can't do anything but celebrate the fact that he was a really good player. You might not like his outfits, his hairstyles. That's all bullshit. He was a, I know him. He's a good dude. He has fun, loves playing the game, loves to wear funny shit. He's a good dude. And and if you don't like him, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, you, you don't know him. But anyways, I just think trashing Cam Newton for getting cut is just absurd. He's had a great career. So anyways, just wanted to mention that. And then how about just announced today, Quinn Ewers signed a $1.4 million deal. Million dollar deal. $1.4 million. Do you wonder why he, uh, why he left high school early? <laughs> I mean, who, who wouldn't have their kid do that? 
Who wouldn't? He signed a, a, a name, image, and likeness deal with GT Sports Marketing for $1.4 million. It's for three years in exchange for autographs. The deal was negotiated by Ewers agents at Sports Stars and Rubicon and is Ewers' third NIL deal overall. So he's it's a three-year deal, $1.4 million. And that brings us to our dumbass sports media personality of the week. First one, the DASMP. Our good friend, Stuart Mandel of Our Athletic. The Athletic, right? <laughs> the, the greatest sports media company in the world. On July 28, 2021, when Quinn Ewers announced he was going to leave high school and go to Ohio State, he tweeted, my first reaction is, Ohio State has a recruiting advantage over Texas? How quickly will Texas legislators close that loophole? Also, a high school quarterback with 48,000 followers isn't getting anything close to a seven-figure NIL deal. Sorry. Still a major development. Uh, hey, Stewie, you're wrong. And, I mean, if you look at the, the careers of Trevor Lawrence and some of those guys that we talked about on last episode, those generational quarterbacks, the number one overall players, I mean, that team, that company, the GT whatever, they're going to capitalize on that those autographs and that deal for the next three years. And if he's the Trevor Lawrence, they're going to make a fortune, a fortune off of, off of Quinn Ewers. So he absolutely made the right decision to leave. And you Stuart are a dumbass motherfucker, plain and simple, plain and simple. But we knew that you work for the athletic. I think there's what Bruce Feldman. I don't know if I like him or not. I don't really know him, but I think he's the athletic, right? But uh, Ari Wasserman's hometown media venture uh, anyways, so enough about Stuart Mandel, but Quinn Ewers, congrats to him, man. He got $1.4 million to sign some autographs. Well-deserved. It's really exciting to watch these young kids get a lot of money. It really is. Now, let's just hope we can kind of find a way to make this normal. Let's normalize it, right? My biggest issue, I've said from day one, before any of this was even legal or it was going to happen, my only concern is when this starts becoming a recruiting tool, because I was a college football coach for 15 years, I know what I would do. I would be finding a way to sell to recruits that if you sign with Ohio State, if you come to Ohio State, your base salary will be $75,000 a year, whatever it'll be, right? If that happens with these slush funds, these companies paying Every kid on the roster, a thousand bucks. You start to build that slush fund up. Then you're talking about a, a signing bonus and salary to go to a school. That's it, it has nothing to do with Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers making money off of his name, image, and likeness, his ability, his celebrity, his, I mean, the money that he's going to make for his high school and his, his, and now Ohio State, that is all gravy. It's when you just start paying kids blatantly just to get kids to come to schools. That's where I have an issue. That's where the game is tainted. And so I want to see, I want to see how they're going to stop that from happening. I don't think kids should be paid a hundred grand just because you're on scholarship at Ohio State, because now you're you're going to be. It's a recruiting tool. Now it's just dirty, filthy money. It's not Quinn Ewers has this outstanding trajectory, and we're, and t and companies are going to pay him a lot of money to try to capitalize on it. No different than than Nike and LeBron, right? Nike doesn't lose money paying LeBron that much money. They don't lose money. They make money off of having LeBron, right? Just like they do Jordan. So it's about their intrinsic value as a player and as a celebrity and as, as a, a salesperson, right? If Quinn Ewers has that value, he should get paid that. Joe Stevenson or whatever, who's on the roster, who's not any good, he shouldn't be getting all that money. That's not the point, right? That's not benefiting off your name, image, and likeness. That is the school using dirty money to pay recruits. Enough about that rant, though. I had to bring it up.
But now let's talk about the, the scandal that is shocking the world right now, right? Bishop Sycamore High School, Roy Johnson, the self-described face of the program and its leader who originally started COF Academy, Christians of Faith Academy. And if you, this story, I'm sure, is breaking now, but 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 I met Roy and and his assistant coach at a football camp at Ohio, at Ohio State. Here, well, let me tell you the whole story first. So I'm recruiting Cameron Babb and Cameron Brown out of uh, CBC High School in uh, St. Louis, National High School. Their head coach randomly says, "Hey, hey, uh, what do you know about COF Academy?" And I was like, "Well, I don't know what. It, where is it?" And he was like, "It's in Columbus. It's supposed to be like an IMG type of school in Columbus." I looked at him, I was like, there's no such thing as an IMG type school in Columbus. And he was like, are you sure? And he showed me all the emails and documentation and stuff this guy was sending out. And I looked at him, I was like, I coach at Ohio State. If you think that I would not know about an IMG type of school in Columbus, Ohio, you're nuts. I was like, that, that is not a real thing. Like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what they're trying to sell you, but that is shady and not real. And so he didn't take the game, right? He said, no, thank you to scheduling a game. That was the first I heard of it. Then I met the guys at football camp, you know, a couple months later. They're they're telling me about this, how they're going to do it all. And, and, and it all went to shit. What is this? Probably about two years ago. Uh, Roy said that the school was a private online Christian school tied to the third district of the African Methodist Episcopal Church. The church and the school and all this was a joint venture with uh, Roy Johnson and his lifelong friend, Jay Richardson, a former Ohio State standout, right? The school was planning to build a massive campus on seven acres in Northeast Columbus near, over by Easton, right? The, the school even arranged a Minnesota-based education company uh, for its academic program. It had planned to hold classes at the AME Church's third district headquarters. It, just a long story. So Johnson and Jay Richardson, Roy Johnson and Jay Richardson have been lifelong, lifelong friends, have had a bunch of business dealings. They sold insurance together. They did finances, financial stuff together, and then they did this joint venture. And the Franklin County judges ruled that Johnson and Jay Richardson uh, and current Columbus, uh, they had to go on trial because they defaulted on a $100,000 loan in April 2018 that was never repaid to First Merchants Bank, Right. Then ARN Hospitality, who owns hotels in Delaware, says Johnson owed them a balance of $110,685. Long story short, he's trying to put together a prep school, right? So he gets all these kids, convinces them to come in, doesn't have dorms and housing set up for him, right? So he, he gets these hotel rooms, gets these kids in hotel rooms, then ends up not paying for them. And I mean, it's just a complete shit show. So COF goes away. And that was the last I heard of it until I turn on ESPN and watch IMG playing someone named Bishop Sycamore. And sure enough, old Roy Johnson's right there on the sideline. The guy I met at, on, at Ohio State at the Woody Hayes. I, I was shocked. Now, I will say this. Before we go just absolutely cooking this guy, the ESPN is the one that you're, you, you just have to look at. Like, you clowns. I mean, you could not be bigger clowns. They told you they had all these recruits. You have... ESPN has a recruiting service. They have their own recruiting database. It's not like they had to go call up 247 Sports and be like, hey, you ever heard of these kids? ESPN, the own company, has recruiting rankings. Like, how do you not know if any of these kids are real or exist? I saw one kid on social media uh, posted one highlight he had playing for this uh, Bishop, what is it called? Bishop Sycamore. And then he had a bunch of offer pictures on Instagram and, and one of them was an Ohio state. He has an Ohio state offer. And you know how those recruits take those photo shoots. It was supposed to be like a photo shoot at Ohio state, but it was the most hack job photoshopping the kid with his shirt off and a sledgehammer that he probably took an iPhone picture. Someone cut him out and put a block O logo behind him. It was like, Oh my gosh, 
this, I mean, this is just unbelievable. So anyways, ESPN aired this, right? They, they didn't do any research. The guy's name was right there. It's been there all year. Roy Johnson. All you got to do is Google him and you, or put, and you find out he has pending charges for uh, all this money he owes. Now, I will say this. That's on ESPN. Now, what this guy's trying to do, I've, here's what I've heard from people. He's kind of a, kind of a scam, scam artist, right? A con artist. He, 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 but he's really good at it. He's really good at selling these things. I mean, look at it. He got IMG to play him in a game. <laughs> like, how did, how did they fall for that? That's the other thing. You're IMG. That you, everyone knows what Max Preps is, right? You can go to maxpreps.com right now and pull up uh, Bishop Sycamore's schedule from last year. They were 0 and 6. I mean, I don't even, they, they hardly scored. They got blown out almost every game. Why would IMG like schedule them? Not only that, but when he was, uh, when he started the COF Academy, IMG backed out of a game because they didn't feel like it was, they felt like it was shady. How do you back out of a game two years ago and then the same guy calls you up for a game and what, you forgot about him? You forgot that it might be shady or something? So they, so this, this time they didn't vet it and they scheduled the game and they beat him 58 nothing. It was embarrassing. But I will say this this is not that uncommon. I know people are probably listening to the story like, what? That's crazy. They didn't have a real school. They didn't have classrooms. They didn't have dorms. I would invite you to go. I don't even know if it's still there. There's a place called Champagnat Catholic in Miami, Florida. It was literally a strip mall. Now they had, they had a school. It was like a strip mall, like right next to, right next to a lone advanced place. You walk in this like strip mall store and they had like a, an office and, a, and one room. And then out back, they had like an outdoor area. And they had, I mean, they didn't have dorms. They didn't have housing. They didn't have any of that. And, 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 and I mean, there, there's places like that all over the place, right? Kind of shady ass schools that are really, they're trying to come up. They're trying to create the next IMG, right? This guy had a vision. He wanted to create this in Columbus. By the way, Braxton Miller and Troy Smith are doing it right now at Urbana. They're creating it. Now they're doing it the right way, right? They have facilities. They're doing fundraising. They're having board meetings. They're, they're getting the academics lined up. They're trying to create an IMG up here in Ohio, and it's going to be done the right way. But there's places like this all over the place. And also, I've seen people talking about, well, they had, they had kids that weren't high school kids. Yeah, no shit. It's called a prep school. There's a bunch of them out there. You go to D.C., Maryland. Those kids can reclassify, right? If they're a senior, they can reclassify, go to a prep school. Friendship Collegiate is like a, a, a charter school. Those kids can reclass and be 19 or 20 years old and playing a high school schedule. That, that can happen, right? It's called a prep school. And they sometimes play high school teams. I mean, Friendship Collegiate plays St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida. Although St. Thomas Aquinas is a high school, right? Prep schools can, that, that's not uncommon. That happens, people. And then this shady stuff about not paying bills and all that. Let me tell you a story. I recruited a junior college receiver. And I'm not going to say his name. You could probably figure it out. He, he, he was at, you know where Last Chance U was? Scuba, Mississippi? East Mississippi? That's where he came out of, right? Before that, he was at Grand Rapids Juco. A, Grand Ra a Juco in Grand Rapids. The coaches there were having the kids fill out their FAFSAs, financial aid forms. They were getting all those checks to come in, not giving the money to the kids, but using that money to pay for their dorm hotels, right? To pay for their food. Then they ran out of money. The kids didn't have anything to eat. It was a complete shit show. And now you're talking about theft on top of it. Like it, they paid their bills, but they did it by stealing all the kids' Pell Grants. So stealing government money from the kids to pay what they were supposed to be paying for through fundraising, right? On top of that, it was, I mean, you talk about a degenerate, degenerate world. 
I, I one story that that I I mean I it was just I mean shocking to me, but you guys will get a kick out of it. There was I mean th- these kids were trying trying to make money however they could. There was one guy who local guy lived in the city who would grab four players at a time, pay each player a hundred dollars for all four of them to run a train on his wife while he watched. That was going on at this JUCO, and and that's that's the type of stuff these kids were doing to try to get money to eat. So this is not. Uh, this is this not be, be naive. This is not some uncommon thing. Like this guy, it's like shocking BS high school and it's all over social media. This shit goes on all over the place. Go to Miami. You'll find three of them. I promise. Go to, I mean, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. And prep schools, just because a kid's out of high school doesn't mean he can't be out of prep school. doesn't mean he can't reclassify. So had to get that piece out of there. I'm actually going to try to get Roy Johnson on. I, I haven't talked to him since that day at the Woody, but I know one of my former players, uh, was going to coach with him until he realized it was kind of a backwards deal. So we'll see what uh, we'll see if I can get him on. I'm going to try to get him on because I, w- I would love to hear his side of the story. But that's just my thoughts on the Bishop Sycamore. Now they fired the guy. I, I don't know why. What did he do? He did probably exactly. They they knew all that. They knew all that stuff went on unless they didn't vet it either. Um, but anyways, so it'll be interesting to see what Bishop Sycamore does. You feel bad for the kids. I mean, these kids come from the hood. I mean, they come from from low income areas. They get they get to Columbus like. Then it's then it it didn't turn out to be what they wanted to be. So it's like, all right, do you want to go back? Do you want to go back where you came from, or do you want to just stay here and we'll try to figure this shit out? And so most of them just elect to try to figure shit out. That's just what they do. But um, really sad to see it. Um, obviously, should not be scheduling IMG. IMG knows better than that. They should not be scheduling random teams that they know nothing about. They should be scheduling the St. Thomas Aquinas's if they will play them and those type of teams. So, anyways, crazy, crazy world we live in, though, isn't it? But from one shit show to the next, oh my gosh, Nebraska faithful, the Cornhuskers, the black shirts. What the fuck did we watch on Saturday? I'm so, I don't even know if disgruntled is the right word. I'm just so disappointed that Nebraska, this is what we're getting out of the Scott Frost tenure. It's just, it's unbelievable. I did not, I never would have saw this coming. I never thought he would live up to all the hype he had. But I mean, the guy's 12 and 21 right now at Nebraska, 12 and 21. I'll, here's what I do know from, from my, I have some inside sources that Scott Frost right now is actively being fired. What that means is they're making all the moves to fire him. I, this shouldn't come as a shock, right? The guy just fucking lost to Illinois. They're making active moves to fire him. And right now trying to minimize the cost, trying to figure out the buyout situation because there is rumored to be some personal stuff. Going that has gone on that might lead to them be able to make a deal or fire him for cause. So they're working through how to get rid of him right now because you can't lose the Illinois 32, 30 to 22. I mean, Illinois is a first year coach, the fat man, Brett or Burt Bielema. Like how, how does that happen? I mean, we could talk about it. Adrian Martinez wasn't very good, but let me just tell you this. That is not all on that kid. I'm watching some of the stuff they're doing, throwing four-step rollover speed outs to an off-corner that's breaking on it and breaking it up. Adrian Martinez throws a perfect ball. The receiver runs as good a route as you can run, and it's covered because it's fucking stupid. It's a dumbass thing to do. If you have some crazy off-soft corner, sure, run a quick speed out and gain five yards. But, like, why not run a route where a receiver can get open or, or where a quarterback can throw a ball with ball placement? And, and, and oh, it's just frustrating. But... You know what? You know what? Stat always tells you who's going to win the game, right? Missed tackles, and this is kudos, kudos to old big, big fat Bert. Missed tackles. Nebraska had nine missed tackles. Illinois only had three missed tackles. That speaks to Illinois' tackling 
and how great of a job that staff and Big Fat Burt did developing and teaching tackling all year, right? And two, how lack of dy- the lack of dynamic athletes that Nebraska has. I mean, I think about some of the stuff they did in recruiting. I mean, they they signed Keyshawn Johnson's son. They kind they signed Tyjon Lindsey. They they had Cameron Brown committed. If for those of you that don't know, Buckeye fans, he was committed there because they had Coach Dub. If you don't remember Coach Dub, they they were recruiting good athletes with Mike Riley. But now it's like, oh, disgusting. Remember they had Chris Spielman's uh, nephew or whatever he was, J.D. Spielman, I think his name was. But anyways, on the offense, Adrian Martinez. I mean, fifty percent of your passes, and I'm telling you, it's not all on him. I mean, he was the leading, he led, I think he led the Big Ten last year in completion percentage. He completed 16 of 32 uh, passes, and he was the leading rusher for 111 yards. The kid didn't play bad. He's just not a great quarterback. Both teams had one turnover, so you can't blame it on turnovers. I don't know, Nebraska was 35% on third down. If you listen to the show at all, you got to be 50%. You have to be. That'll get you right up in the top 10, 15 of the country. You want to be 50% on third down. 35% ain't going to cut it. But what happened was Illinois controlled the whole game. They controlled the clock. They ran the shit out of the ball. Not very well, but they ran the shit out of the ball. They had not, they had the ball for nine more minutes than Nebraska. They ran the ball 48 times compared to 19 passes. They only got three and a half yards per run, but they were just grinding it out. They That was their plan to win, right? Big fat Burt wanted to grind the ball, play great defense, tackle Nebraska, get them on the, on the ground, and it worked. I mean, they only threw it 19 times. They completed almost 80% of those passes, threw for two touchdowns. Like, Illinois played the game. They played good, old-fashioned Big Ten football and just out-toughed Nebraska. That's what happened. Big, fat Burt out-toughed the pretty boy Scott Frost. One thing I thought was hilarious is Nebraska was one for three on PATs. Like, Connor, Connor Culp is their, their kicker. It, I mean, they were one for three on PATs. That is concerning, I guess. Uh, the offense was just putridly disgusting to watch. And I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what happened, right? When Scott Frost was the offensive coordinator at Oregon, he led, they led the Pac-12 in rushing every year he was there, I think. No, they were the number one scoring offense in America at UCF. A top 10 nationally passing offense at UCF. Like, what the hell happened with this offense? The stuff that they were running was gross. I mean, it was just like, I, I, I'm, I, gotta, I haven't studied the film yet, and I'm going to uh, tonight because I want to talk about it more as Nebraska unravels. But watching the game, I, I can't figure out what they were trying to do. And a- Adrian Martinez did not play well. He's not a great quarterback, but that can mostly be blamed on the offensive system and play calling. That just is what it is. That's what was so disgusting. And I just want to know what the hell happened. He's now 12 and 21 at Nebraska. Shit, Mike Riley was at least 500. Scott Frost has finished fifth in the S, uh, Big, Big Ten West three years in a row. And this year, I'd say that's goals. Hashtag goals. Finished fifth in the West. <laughs> After you lose to Illinois, I mean, what? Good God almighty, man. Where are the wins? We, pick, I, we picked the over. I mean, who, who are they going to beat on this schedule, right? They get Buffalo next game at Oklahoma. That'll be a bloodbath. At Michigan State, that's not guaranteed. Northwestern at home, maybe, because Northwestern should be down. Michigan at home, no. At Minnesota, no. Purdue at home, no, probably not. Ohio State at home, absolutely not. Southeast Louisiana, so that's two wins. At Wisconsin and Iowa, so what, two wins? I don't know if you can live bet the under, but holy shit, bet it hard. Bet it, bet it really, really, really hard. But it is game week for the Buckeyes. Let's talk about the Buckeyes. Ryan Day has named C.J. Stroud the quarterback. We already talked about it last week. But the, the, the 
I mean, one of the premier games of the weekend, right? You have you have Georgia Clemson, which is going to be a huge game. We're going to preview those games on Friday, by the way, um, the Saturday games, and then you have Notre Dame Cincinnati. I think it's Sunday. I don't have the list in front of me, but got to be one of the top four or five games of the weekend is the C.J. Stroud coming out party. What will this team be? Will the defense be fixed? Will Kerry Combs being the rah-rah defensive coordinator and Barnes, Matt Barnes uh, coaching the secondary, will that may be a difference maker? Will the departure of Tough Borland and the arrival of Taraja Mitchell be a difference maker for this defense? That's the question here. What you're looking at at this Minnesota team, everyone knows I'm not a P.J. Fleck fan, right? Two years ago, I said he, he was – I would not give him credit. I refused. Until the end of the year, I finally did because, you know what, his team was playing really hard and playing well. What we watched last year, which we can blame on COVID – they were four and three, had two canceled games, and they were they were bad. They were bad. I mean, the, that team is coming back now. Now, here's the biggest thing that I wanted to make of note. Right? Uh, they had a, I can't remember the guy's name. They had an offensive coordinator two years ago in what would would have been 2019 when they went whatever the record was. I forget. It doesn't matter. They were uh, where they have a, a great year. 2019, Minnesota had a great year. They had an offensive coordinator that left. They hired Mike Sanford Jr., who was the head coach of Eastern Kentucky, I think. Um, but I know Mike Sanford Jr. I don't know him. We interviewed him at Ohio State. When Tom Herman left, Mike Sanford Jr. came in for an interview. He kind of showed us his offense, taught it to us, and the one, we walked away saying, what the hell was that? The guy didn't really understand offensive football very well. He couldn't teach shit to us, and we're football coaches. Like, we're pretty high-level football coaches. Like, to work for Urban Meyer, you have to understand the game at a pretty high level most of the time, Right. And I mean, it, I walked out of there like, what the hell was that? This guy. And I think he went, he was a coordinator at Notre Dame. He went on to coordinate at Notre Dame instead. It's just shocking how many of these coaches that really aren't that good at scheme and offensive football can get these jobs. But Mike Sanford Jr. last year got the offensive coordinator job at Minnesota and their offense went to dog shit. I mean, they, they scored about a almost a, a touchdown less per game, right? Tanner Morgan looked terrible. And now you're looking at it saying, all right, what is going to change this year? Is this going to be like a Michigan and Jim Harbaugh where they do, their, their staff is just not, I guess, competent enough, right? I already think P.J. Fleck is a used car salesman, right? He is not a culture builder. He's not a leader like Nick Saban or Urban Meyer. He is constantly on a commercial to sell you a no money down car with 0% interest financing, like all the time, 24-7. That's at home. That's in staff meetings, that's on the practice field, that's in interviews. It's like cheese dick central. It just is. So that's already the culture of the program, right? Now, it's, he's very organized, right? It's very regimented. Players love that. They love the organization. They love the details. They love uh, the row the boat t-shirts, right? They love that shit. So if they buy into it, it doesn't fucking matter how big of a used car salesman he is. But he's got to have a solid staff, Right, you can get away with that shit if your staff is elite, and I don't know that this staff is. I mean, they're, well, on paper, they should be really, really good. Right, they're returning nine starters on offense. All their, all their entire offensive line, except for right tackle, they're returning. I mean, granted, their 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 skill set on offense wasn't great. They had the kid Chris Ottman Bell, who's their best returning player. Rashad Bateman was their great player, right? He was their best receiver, and he's he's in the NFL now. Got uh, I think he got drafted. I actually don't know. So he's gone, right? Their best corner, Benjamin St. Just, is gone. So they're missing two really good players. They don't really have offensive skill. 
That's good because our secondary is a work in progress and needs to be, I mean, it needs to be proven, right? So I think this matchup bodes well for Ohio State. Their running back, Mohamed um, Ibrahim, is, is a really, really good player. I mean, he's a solid, solid running back. But Ohio State's going to have no problem shutting down the run game. My biggest concern would be a veteran quarterback with some skill at receiver coming in and torching our secondary. That's what I would be scared of, right? I think Chris Ottman-Bell is a really good player, but I don't think he's anything that anyone at Ohio State can't handle. So it'll be interesting to see how the D-line rotation goes, right? With JTT and Jack Sawyer coming off the bench, you would assume, right? Zach Harrison, will he take that step to become a dominant pass rusher in, in the, on the national landscape? That's what they need him to do, right? I think JTT and Jack Sawyer will be those type of dominant players eventually. But as I talked about last episode, it's unfair and honestly stupid to put high expectations on a true freshman at any position. Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, Chase Young. I mean, they didn't have outstandingly ridiculous freshman years. They just didn't. They had really good freshman years. And then sophomore years were explosions, right? Junior years were stupid. That's what to expect out of a generational player, right? A great player is that solid contributing freshman year. They don't think they're going to come in and have like 10 sacks and just light the world on fire. If they do, it'll be like the first time maybe ever. Jadavian Clowney probably had similar numbers. I should look that up because I bet you he didn't. So the defensive line is going to be outstanding. Then we know Haskell Garrett is back, as we all know. I think Teron Vincent and the inside guys that Larry's going to rotate are going to be, I mean, very, very, very solid. I think Tyreek Smith is going to be a, an an Probably the least valued player on this defense, <clears throat> Tyreek Smith. He's going to have a great year. He's going to be a guy like Haskell Garrett last year, I think, where he comes out of nowhere and you're like, holy shit, Tyreek Smith. And he made some plays last year where you saw it. You saw flashes. You saw sparks, right? And then we talked about it on the kind of the preview episode. What does that look like on defense, right? Who are the linebackers? Taraja Mitchell, captain, going to be a starter, going to play a ton, right? And then you throw in kind of the other older guys. You can't call them veterans. They haven't played a lot. Dallas Gant and Kayvon Pope. That'll be three solid linebackers. You throw in Tommy Eichenberg, who's the fourth of those four. And then, I mean, what we don't know is the NCAA, they're dragging their feet on the EA uh, to see if he's going to if he's gonna be eligible to transfer from USC. Uh, so that, that EA and, and Craig Young are the guys that just provide instant uh, juice in that defense. So anyways, I think the front seven is going to be fine. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, Muhammad, how, I don't even want to mis-say his name. Muhammad Ibrahim, who was the best running back in the Big Ten last year production-wise, right? He he's, he's a solid player. He's nothing Ohio State can't stop. So I'm not worried about the run game. I'm not really worried about the pass game. Tanner Morgan's not going to light the world on fire. He is, he's not, he doesn't have Rashad Bateman. I really think this game is a great opportunity for Ohio State's defense to reclaim some confidence that they lost in 2020, right? They lost that BIA edge, that edge where they were dominant. That 2019 defense played pissed off. Granted, they had Chase Young, two first-round corners, Jordan Fuller in the back end. I mean, they were loaded, right? But they played with an edge that they lost last year. So that's the biggest question mark, right? Will they... Reclaim that edge. And I think this is a great opportunity to do so. As far as the defense, I mean, they're returning, what, I think it's seven guys on defense, right? Their defense was average last year. I mean, obviously, well, they were below average last year, and they were average the year before. They're, they're, they've never been a defensive juggernaut. I think Ohio State handles it with ease. This, they, they are walking into this game with the best offensive line in the country. 
and maybe I might be the history of college football. What are we talking about? You're taking Thayer Mumford, a two-year tackle without a sack given up, moving him to guard because you have a lottery pick in Dewan Jones. Think about that. You have four high draft picks on the offensive line right now. Nick Petit-Friere, Dewan Jones at tackle, Paris Johnson at guard, and now you move Thayer Mumford to guard. Harry Miller just – all he needs to do is snap the ball and, and just – Attach himself to double teams and he'll be fine. The thing about center is this. Why I'm not worried about Harry Miller. As long as he has worked out his snap issues. Your center rarely, rarely is left on an island. Like tackles all the time have to one-on-one pass block, right? Even if they're... So in pass pro, offensive line, like three of them slide one way and the other two either go with the slide or they lock on man, they block man, man on man, right? That is how pass protections are built. The center is always in the slide. Now, there's certain def- defenses where you can get one-on-ones in the center, but I would say 85% of the time, the center is always in a three-man slide and pass protection, right? Where he is sliding with the guard at all times. So they always have help in interior run games outside of like pin and pulls where you block down and pull a guy, right? On zone running plays, they're always in double teams. So Harry Miller doesn't have to be a badass Pat Elfline center. He doesn't. He can be Jacoby Bourne. Just be scrappy. Be mean, right? Be tough. Go hard. Attach yourself to two high draft picks at guard. Just work the slide side. In the run game, work those double teams and just don't fuck it up. If he does that, now you have C.J. Stroud, a rookie quarterback with a solid-ass offensive line. You got Jeremy Ruckert at, at, at tight end, Cade Stover and G. Scott coming off the bench at tight end, and then your running back situation is going to be outstanding. I'm excited. I think one of the biggest things that I want to see, I want to see Travion Henderson with the ball in his hands. I want to see him in space, and I, what I really want to see is what is this offense going to look like, right? We know I could go on. I could talk about the receiver room for three episodes. We know they're loaded at receiver, Right? How are they going to utilize their personnel? My biggest complaint, I think you all know it, last year was why are we not getting Trey Sermon in space? We don't run swing passes or sweeps or anything to get Trey Sermon in space last year. If we have Travion Henderson and he is what he's cracked up to be, lightning in a bottle, right? The human highlight. If he is that, how are we going to utilize him? Right, That is what Lincoln Riley does so well. That is actually what James Franklin did phenomenally with Saquon Barkley, right? Is get them the ball in space. If Travion Henderson is that guy, is a a Zeke, a JK, how are we going to get him in space? Is Mayan Williams going to become a dominant back in the Big Ten? That's the question. And then also, where does Master Teague fit in? I think Tony Alford's got a hell of a situation to go through here. He's got a dynamic young freshman. He's got a guy that was coming on hard at the end of the year in Mayan Williams. And then he's got Master Teague, who is just the do-everything-right, looks like a Greek god, the leader of the room, right? Great kid, great man. So what does he do with that room? How does it all sort itself out? It's going to be hard for him to put Master on the bench, I'm just telling you. As a coach who loves, loves his players, that kid does everything right. But he's not as good as Mayan Williams, and he's not as dynamic as Travion Henderson. So he's going to have to find a way to mix all of them in, right? And it can't be at the expense of success or production. That's what happened last year with Master Teague and Trey Sermon. Master Teague played at the expense of production, and that cannot happen this year. That cannot happen. Will Ryan Day utilize the tight ends, right? Will Jeremy Ruckert be a feature in this offense. I know they have Chris Olave. I know they have Garrett Wilson. I know Jackson Smith and Jigba might be the best of the three. Shoot me. 
for saying it, right? Could you believe that? He might be better than the other two? Wow. But Jeremy Ruckert is an NFL tight end. Will he be a feature? All this we will find out in two days. And I'm here for it. So that's what I'm interested to see. I'm also interested to see. Here's the other thing that people are not talking about. Ryan Day, in his entire time at Ohio State, has had a one-quarterback depth chart. He had Dwayne Haskins with no one behind him, right? No one behind him that could play the position. Then he had Justin Fields with no one behind him that could play at that level, right? I mean, he had Gunnar Hoke, who was a solid, serviceable player, but they wasn't going to come in and play like Justin Fields, right? He had one quarterback that could play at the level that they expect his entire time at Ohio State. What is he going to do now that he has a room? a room full of quarterbacks. Will he run C.J. Stroud a little bit? I'm going to tell you what, there's no better way to get a player acclimated to being a starting quarterback than to run him a little bit. We did it with J.T. Barrett. We always, when he was a a freshman starting quarterback, we'd always get him in there and let him run the ball a couple times. Let him get hit. Let him get tackled. Kind of loosen up the pads. Get the jitters out. Don't try to throw a freaking uh, deep post on his first, first pass play before he's run the ball and kind of gotten the feel for the game. You got to let him get in the game first. So what is the plan for C.J. Stroud, and will they let him run? I also, I was wrong. I'll admit it. No one has transferred out of that room yet. Isn't it amazing? The recruiting job that that Ryan Day, Corey Dennis, and Paul Rhodes have done in that room, it's a recruiting job now to keep those kids at Ohio State. Recruiting job. Because once they start classes, they might as well stay and see how it shakes out. But he's got to be selling two things, right? I saw the picture on Twitter today. Mac Jones, Tua Tagovailoa, and Jalen Hurts were all in the same quarterback room at the same time. Mac Jones could have jumped ship and transferred, but he didn't, right? Tua could have not stayed at Alabama when Jalen was the guy, putting up Heisman numbers, but they stayed, and look what happened. If you're afraid of competition, you run. If you're not, everything will work out. You, th- you actually think if Kyle McCord is an, an absolute NFL superstar, he's not going to play at some point at Ohio State? Of course he is right? By hook or by crook, somehow he will play. So the job that Ryan Day has done to keep that quarterback room together, it it should be heralded as one of the best recruiting jobs in the country this year. So excited to see it, excited for games, man, excited for the Buckeyes to see how this team will fare on the road Thursday night at Minnesota. Will the Buckeyes take a step and let everyone know they are in the national picture this year? Make no mistake, this is not going to be a rebuild year in Columbus. They are just reloading. So, excited to find out. Come hang out with us on YouTube, at uh, Menace to Sports on YouTube. Live stream the game Thursday night. Uh, Got some YouTube episodes coming, and we're launching a bunch of shit next week. So, buckle up, get ready for it. And uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you enjoyed the entertainment. Hope you learned something or just got excited for the game. And if you didn't, as we say, go fuck yourself, San Diego. Watches downfield. It's Olave. He's got a touchdown. Ohio State. Why am I talking to you? You're not even in football. Yeah. Did you even play to the high school level? You took journalism. It's a bunch of nerds interrupting people who know what they're doing. <laughs> it goes to the corner, dies in the corner. He didn't get there. No, they say he did. And Indiana wins. The commissioner could literally punt a baby with his wingtips on. I'm still going to watch on Sunday. Looking for the deep ball. Touchdown, Ohio State. Garrett Olsen. I don't condone the man's actions, <laughs> but it's football. I have to watch it. This is all I have. On first 
down, and it's Brees Hall. He doesn't go down. He might go all the way. He stays on his feet again and scores. I wasn't going to hit a woman, but then that guy in the Ravens did it, so I guess it's okay. Okay.